You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Good morning. How are y'all? Blessed. Amen. Good morning. My name is Mike Cooper. I am a member here. You don't see me very often because my wife and I live in College Station. We used to live here. about. We moved away about three years ago. I'm a chaplain uh, with a federal prison system. And we moved to Miami for a year and a half or so, moved to Georgia, and then a job came open in Bryan and moved back last February. So we've been here a year and a half, and I have 37 weeks and six days until I can retire. Yeah. That goes Miss Maggie right there? Okay, all right. So not that anybody's counting down, um, but I, I'm looking forward to moving back over here and getting plugged into our church family and getting to know you, you getting to know us. Uh, thank you for the privilege of allowing me to be here today to be able to share God's word with you. If you've not had a chance to go through the Chosen series, I really, really uh, encourage you to do that. It is it's fantastic. I love the story that we saw here, um, the season, I think it's episode seven or eight, and it's entitled Invitations. And, um, and I want to share with you um, about an, an invitation that is that God has given me and that he wants to give each one of us and and it looks different for each person. He gives us different invitations each day. And most of the time when we think of invitations, we think of baby showers. We think of weddings. We think of graduations. My wife and I got a bunch of graduation invitations not too long ago for high school and college. And so there are times of celebration. Uh, I want to share a really interesting invitation that I got about 10 years ago. I was a youth pastor in a town not far from here. And we were at our son's basketball game, and there was a referee there that was doing a really, really good job. And I was encouraging him uh, a lot that particular day. And um, every time that he would make a call, I would let him know how good he was doing, and he would look at me and nod his head. And, And one particular play... Our son got a rebound and three or four people surrounded him and he started to try to make a clear a little space for him and the referee called a foul on him and, and I jumped up and I yelled to let him know what a good job he, what a good call he had made. Um, and he gave me an invitation right then. He gave me an invitation to leave the gym. And I'm going, well, now everybody was looking at the basketball game. Now they're looking at me. And, and so being happy with the way he was calling the game that particular day, I said, as I'm walking out the door, I said, that's the best call you've made all day. And so I know that that wasn't very Christ-like, um, but I was uh, in, in the heat of the moment and, and got invited to, to, to leave the The video that we just saw, I don't know uh, what that does for you, but what it does for me is it reminds me that God gives us an invitation to join him in the midst of life. Moses, or Moses, Matthew was in his booth collecting taxes. Jesus walks by. Something touches his heart. Jesus turns around. They meet eye to eye. And Jesus simply says, follow me. 
For most of us, if we've made a decision to follow Christ, there was a moment in our life where we felt something similar, where we knew that there was something in our heart that said there was something different about this Jesus person. Whether it was your grandma talking to you about it, your mom or your dad or vacation Bible school or your youth pastor or whoever it was that talked to you about Jesus the very first time, the very first moment that it seemed different is when the Spirit of God touched your heart and that invitation was starting. And so the passage that I want to share with you today, I believe, is a, is a really powerful passage when it comes to believers, when it comes to invi- an invitation to join the things that God is doing. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to be looking at verses 24 through 26. Verses 24 through 26 in verse 16. Uh, the very first service, there was um, the, they had the passage up here on the screen, and I had mentioned that Jesus mentions a little two-letter word uh, in that particular passage, and apparently the NIV has changed the, a couple words in, in the translation, and from the from the 1984 version to I believe the 2000, and I'm not even sure what year the new version came out, but. In, in the 2000 or the 1984 version, the NIV says it starts out by Jesus saying the word "if," a two-letter word, "if anyone." And now I believe it says "whoever wants to follow me." But that little word, I don't want us to miss that. Whether it's the "whoever" word or the two-letter word "if," I don't want us to miss that because what Jesus is saying here is you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to say yes to the invitation, to accept the invitation, or you have the opportunity to reject the invitation. And so Jesus is not going to force anything on you. God's not going to force anything on you. He wants you to accept the invitation freely. He's not going to force it on you. He's not going to make you do it, but he wants you to receive that and say, yes, I receive that. Yes, I want that. And so let's read this passage together. 24 through 26. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Like I said, invitations come in all shapes and sizes, and most of the time they're, they're to invite us to a celebration, but I want us to to hear the heaviness today of the invitation that Jesus is giving the disciples in this particular passage. This is not a a light-hearted invitation. This is a life-changing invitation. And if you're a believer, one time in, in, in your life in the past, you said yes to Jesus, there are some things that changed in your life. There are some things that you used to do that you don't do anymore. There are some things that you used to say that you don't say anymore. There are places that you used to go that you don't go anymore. And so there is a there is a change. There is something different about you because Scripture says that when Christ takes up residence in your heart, that you are a new creation, that you are a new creature. And so there needs to be something different. There, it needs to look different. It needs to sound different. When people in this world, people in LaGrange and the surrounding areas, when they see us out in public at our workplace, they need to to see something different about us. They need to hear different words come out of our mouth. They need to see different actions come out of our bodies. 
forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. And so they need to see something different. And so what I want to I want to share three things with you today about the invitation that Jesus gives the disciples here. And the first one is that he gives us an invitation to say no to ourselves. I said, well, man, that doesn't sound real fun. I want to say yes to myself. I want to say yes to when I go shopping. I want to say yes to the things that feel good, the things that smell good, all places I want to go and all the, all the things that come along with what makes Mike happy. I want to say yes to those things. But Jesus tells the disciples, he says, listen, if you want to follow me, then you need to learn to say no to you. And that's not real, a real popular thing to do these days. Not real popular. We want to say yes to us. We want to say yes to the things that we desire, the things that we feel. When I hear this, this invitation for me to say no to me, there's a word that kind of comes to my mind, and it's the word allegiance. Where, where is my allegiance? Where am, who am I committed to? Am I committed to me, or am I committed to and the things that I want, or am I committed to God and, and what He desires? And when you think of the word, when you hear the word allegiance, what's allegiance? What's one of the first things that comes to mind? Flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation. Under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, how many of you used to say that every day in elementary school in your class? Uh, hey, hey, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right. Who? Well, I'm not going to ask that question because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Who who has never said that in class? I remember going through elementary school, and that was one of the things that we, the 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 little bell rang, the principal made an announcement, or somebody made an announcement, and then we all stood, and typically they had a, a student of the week or the day that would get on the PA and actually start the Pledge of Allegiance, and we'd stand there, and, and we would do that. And, and I got to thinking, man, does that, does that still go on? Uh, it, it does still go on. Uh, how many, how old are you, young lady? How old are you? Twelve? How old are you? Seven? Ten. Ten. Okay. I'm, all right. So I am so glad to hear that that still, that still happens. I don't know that it happens a lot of places. And I'm, I'm grateful that it still happens in this area. Times have changed a little bit since, since I was in elementary school 100 years ago. Okay? It, it's changed a lot. It's changed in the last 20 years, our society. Okay? And so the things that used to be important to us as a society are not as important seemingly today. And so when I hear this this phrase in Scripture where it says, I need to say no to me, and, and I hear this word allegiance, I want people to know where my allegiance lies. I want them to know that I am 100, 100% committed to the things of God. It's real easy for us to let people know that we're 100% committed to the Dallas Cowboys or the LaGrange Leopards, or a team, or whatever it is, people can see based on our apparel, the bumper stickers on our vehicles, or whatever. But I want people to see today that the church is committed to the things of God. Not just in here, not just when you walk in the door of Crosspoint, but when you when you drive out of the parking lot, 
I went to a church a long time ago that they had a sign on every exit of the parking lot that says, you are now entering the mission field. And so if there is going to be a change, church, you know where I think it has to start? It has to start right here. Okay? It has to start with you sitting in that seat saying, my allegiance, my commitment is, is for God. And listen, I know society has all kind of things pulling and tugging and seeking our attention and our allegiance. But we have to have a mindset. We have to change the way that we think. We have to wake up every morning. And the very first thing that comes to our mind needs to be, God, what do you want to do in my life today? What do you want to do? And help me be willing to say yes to that. Because that's a difficult question. Just like Jesus said to the disciples here, those were difficult words for them to hear. Hey, it's not about you anymore. It's about God. It's about, it's about following me, is what Jesus was saying. And so this allegiance has to be something that we grab a hold of and fully embrace. Because you can't have, if, if somebody is a half-hearted Dallas Cowboy fan, when, when, are, when are they a Cowboys fan most of the time if they're half-hearted? When they're winning, okay, what do we call that, a fair weather fan? That doesn't work in Christianity, okay? It doesn't work when it comes to things of God. We have to be 100% committed to him um, when we want to see some, some crazy, drastic things happen in our life. Remember, in the video, Peter says, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but Jesus responded to him and says, get used to different there's some different things that happened in your life since you said yes to him? Absolutely. Okay? And when you continue to seek after him, you, you continue to make him number one in your life, you will continue to see some unusual things, some unusual blessings, some opportunities that you never, ever thought possible. And so the first thing I want you to see, based on this, on this passage today, is he gives us an invitation to say no to ourselves. The second invitation he gives us that I see is an invitation to embrace the cross. It says, deny yourself, pick up your cross. And so, in our minds, we have a, 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 an idea of what the cross means. We have necklaces that we have crosses on. I would venture to say there are probably 25 people in this room right now that have a cross on, on their necklace. Or you go back to their house and they have multiple crosses hanging inside their house or or maybe they even have a, an emblem on their vehicle or a sticker on their back window. For us, it is an idea of forgiveness. For us, it's an idea of mercy and grace. But I want you to hear when, when the disciples heard that, when the contemporaries of Jesus heard, pick up your cross, it wasn't grace and mercy and forgiveness that came to their mind first. You know what came to their mind first? Death. And not only death, the cruelest, most horrific type of death that you could imagine, a crucifixion, where people would have nails nailed into their hands or their wrists. Some people debate where the actual nails were and then nails through their feet. And, and if you lived long enough after that happened and you were on that cross and you lived longer than what the, the soldiers were happy with, you know what they would do? They would break your legs because what some people would do is they would be able to, basically it's suffocation on a crucifixion. 
they'd bend their legs and so they'd have to push up on that nail to be able to get a breath. And so eventually, if they lived too long, the soldiers would break their legs so they couldn't push up and so they would eventually suffocate. These are the images that the disciples had when they heard Jesus say, pick up your cross. And so I want us to understand that I know this is getting kind of heavy on a Sunday morning and, and, and I'm typically not a heavy guy, but I want you to understand that if, if things are going to change in my life and things are going to change in your life and things are going to change in the lives of people in the Grange and Texas and around this world, we have to understand that when Jesus invites us to follow him, what all that means. It's not just the the vacation Bible school Kool-Aid and cookies and the fun times and the decorations. Listen, it's about living a sold-out, committed life following him. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Sometimes that brings pain. Sometimes that brings death. I read a book about two years ago by a guy. His name was Ken Ripken. It was called The Insanity of God. If you read one book the rest of your life, if you read, you only have 20 bucks to go out and buy one book from here to eternity, I would encourage you to buy this book. You can buy it. It's online. You can do it on your tablet. However you get it, you need to get this book. I would encourage you to, to get it. But the, the premise of the book is he's a, he's a, him and his wife and their children are missionaries. Some, some tragic things happen to their family. They come back to the States, and then him and his wife begin to, to pray and say, God, what do you want us to do? And then what came of that is that he went to follow or to research people that were being persecuted because of their faith around the world. And so he would go to these different nations, and he would, and a lot of it was underground. People had no idea that he was there. Uh, that why he was there, he'd find these secret churches, and and he was interviewing this one gentleman, and they were kind of dialoguing what the differences in the culture were for Christians. And Mr. Ripken was telling him, "Hey, we have uh, we have Bibles, and, and we I have multiple Bibles. I have Bibles on my shelves, and, and we have Bibles in, in pews and, and and on the shelves, and we listen to Christian music on the radio, and and this person is here and all this, and and they're." They're worried about dying just because they're meeting together in groups of 10 or 12. And so we get together on Sunday mornings and we can have 200 to 300 people here. And, and they got to dialoguing and they kept dialoguing. And this gentleman said something, Mr. Ripken, that he put in this book that just, just resonated with me and stuck with me about the complacency of Christianity in the United States today. And he said, this gentleman told Mr. Ripken, he says, Please don't give up in your freedom what we haven't given up in our persecution. And that, man, that just, I mean, it hit me to my core that these people are willing to die just to be able to meet. These people are dying just to be able to get together so that pastors can rip out a chapter of Matthew and take it back with them, and then the next pastor gets the next chapter of Matthew and, and take it back with them, and when they meet next time, they get to exchange the different chapters. We we have a Bible. We have multiple Bibles probably, and they sit on our shelf, or they sit on our table until we come back to church on Sunday. And some of us, you know what? Not that I'm hating on people that have 
the Bible's on their phones, but a lot of times we don't even we don't even carry these anymore. And now it's just it's just on our phone. And so don't give up in your freedom what others haven't given up in their persecution. And so when the disciples heard this invitation to pick up their cross, they knew the cost they were about to pay. They knew what was about to happen. It means to be totally submitted to what God wants to do in your life. Not what Mike Cooper wants to do in his life, but what God wants to do in Mike Cooper's life. I have to be 100% committed to that. And that's what this means. That's what it means to pick up my cross. Third thing I think that it means, and I'm going to hang out here just for a second, is an invitation to follow Christ. Pick up your cross. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So let's hang out there for a little bit. What does it mean to follow him? Three things I believe that it means. First one I I think that it means is that we have to live for Christ. This life that we have is not our own. Colossians 3 says that we were created by him for him. So if anybody ever asks you the question, hey, why are we created? You were created by God and for God. That's why we're here. We're not here to... To be the next star football player. We're not here to, to run the next million dollar business. We're not here to whatever. We're here by God for God. That's why we're here on this planet until he calls us home. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 says, Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul understood what it meant to follow after him. Paul was a persecutor of believers. He was responsible for the stoning of Stephen, held the coats there in Acts chapter 6. He knew what it was like to persecute Christians, met Jesus on the road, and his life was changed forever. He was in prison when he wrote this particular verse in Philippians 121. He understood that he was about to die, and he he wrote the the church in Philippi, and he said, listen, if I'm going to live, praise the Lord, I get to live for Jesus. But if I die, it's even better. And you know why it's better, church? Because then, then he gets to be in the presence of Jesus. And so that needs to be our mentality. That needs to be our thought process. When we wake up every day, we say, you know what? I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for Jesus. But if God calls me home, it's even better because then I get to be in his presence. You know what some of the, the, the roles that the angels are in heaven? Scripture says that there are angels in heaven and their sole responsibility for all of eternity is just to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Can you imagine singing the same song every day in church? Can you imagine it's the same like little chorus and we just say it over and over and over? We would probably get bored out of our mind. But listen, the angels are in the presence of God and their responsibility for all of eternity is to say, holy, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When our perspective changes, when it's not about us and it's about him and giving him what he deserves because we were created by him for him, our whole world changes. It's not about the guy who cuts you off in traffic. It's not about getting mad about that because, listen, you know what? He he may need to get someplace faster than me. So it's not about getting upset, not about being stressed about life. It's about focusing and keeping our attention on what's most important. Amen?
So, living for Christ. There is a song by Tim McCraw. Okay? It's called, Live Like You Were What? Live Like You Were Dying. And I, I heard that song, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and, or however long it's, it's been out. And it really just kind of, it really touched me the very first time I heard that his dad had just found out that he had cancer. Uh, Tim's dad, and it was this song is based on a conversation that they had. And when he wrote this song, and I just want to read some of the lyrics to you real quick about the perspective on living life to the fullest, not for ourselves, but for God. But this perspective kind of gives us an idea of what that sounds like. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named what? Fu Manchu. Somebody's heard the song before. I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. Check this out. I gave forgiveness that I'd been denying. And he said someday, I hope you get a chance to live like you were dying. When we have the right perspective. When our focus is on what it needs to be on, we live life so different. To be 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old and having that mindset right now of how life can be when you're old like me and you've lived an obedient life and God has been the center of your life, and you make every decision based on that, there are so many things that you don't have to worry about. Old folks like me, from this moment on, when you wake up every day and say, you know what, everything that I do today is to bring God glory, how life changes. Everything that I want to say today is going to be sweet. It's going to be forgiving. It's going to be honoring to the things of God. The lives of the people that we're around are changed. Not because of what you did, but because of what God can do through you. Okay? Living for Christ is what it means to follow Christ. Serving others is what it means to follow Christ. Mark 10.45 says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see somebody who needs something? It's not just this little little nudge you have in your chest, this little dinging that you have in your brain. The Spirit of God is prompting you to be obedient, to go to do something to serve. i got to brag on my wife just for a second. She didn't do anything yesterday, but she almost did something. And, it just, and that's, that's why I love her. I mean, she's just so tenderhearted. There, we were walking through, there's this fancy place here in um, LaGrange, uh, Walmart. Um, well, actually, we're in Bastrop. I'm sorry, but it's, it's pretty similar. Okay, there was a there was a lady who was in a an electronic chair uh, going through, and she was and I haven't even said anything to my wife about this, but she had uh, she had pulled a dress off of the the rack, and she was she couldn't reach for some reason she couldn't reach to get the dress back on there, and I almost stepped in to grab the dress and put it back on the rack for her. But as I was doing that, guess what my wife was doing? She was doing the exact same thing. And then before she got there, 
the lady made it to the rack, put it back, and then she just kind of went around and, and, and came on back. When you see a need, when you see that somebody needs something, and it doesn't have to be gigantic, it's just an assistance to maybe help them hang a dress back up on a rack. Somebody that is hurting just needs an ear to listen to what's going on in their life. They just need a hug. They just need to say, hey, man, how you doing? And not just, hey, man, how you doing as you're passing by them and keep on walking, but to make eye contact with them, to know, let them know that you genuinely care. I loved the image that we saw here in Matthew where Jesus turns and he looks at Matthew and Matthew sees him and Matthew kind of does one of these numbers and he, so he can get a better view of who Jesus is. Man, we need to live life different. We need to live so that people see Jesus in us. And it's possible. It's possible each and every day. You just love like he loves. Third thing I want you to see, what it means to to follow Jesus, is that we need to be willing to risk it all. We need to be willing to risk everything that we have and say, God, no matter what it takes, I'm going to be obedient to you. Because guess where you got the things that you have now anyway? There was a, the song that we just that we just sang. Listen, I'm giving. I, every, I came here with nothing, and all that I have, you've given it to me anyway. Make me new wine. With new wine, there's new power. There's new strength. And so we have nothing without Him anyway. And so when when God calls us, He wants us just to be willing to give it back to Him. He probably won't require you to give it back to Him, all of it, but just willing to make it. To give it back to him. There's a passage in scripture where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you remember what Jesus tells him? He says, go and sell all your possessions and do what with it? Give it to the poor. And then he says the rich young ruler turned with his face downcast and walked away because he couldn't do that. If you want to truly follow Christ, then you need to be willing to say, God, whatever you want, you can have. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26, that says this. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking forward to his reward. You know what his reward that he was looking forward to? Glory. That, that's what he was looking forward to. I'm going to go ahead and let you in on a secret. We're not meant to be here forever. Okay? We're not meant to be on this earth forever. The moment that we're born, we're getting prepared for God to call us on home. Okay? And so one of these days we're going to spend any time, we're going to be called home to spend forever, all of eternity in, in perfection. But until that time, God has called us to be obedient. God has called us to be willing to give everything to Him. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and all that that means and follow Him. Church, if we want to see a change in our lives, in our, in our home, in our community, in our state, in our nation, 
and on the, the, the surrounding nations of, on this planet that we call earth, it has to start with us being fully committed to the things of God. Not just when it's convenient. We have to fully be committed to the things of God. The disciples, when they started following Jesus, they knew what the ultimate end was going to be. Because this passage in Matthew chapter 16, right before that, in verses 18 through 22, 23, Jesus has been telling them over and over and over again that he's about to die and the why he's about to die. They knew what they were getting into. I had a professor in seminary, Dr. Roy Fish, tremendous man, tremendous man of God. He led an evangelism class in seminary, and I was able to take that before I graduated. He passed away a couple of years later. And he was talking about leading someone to the Lord. And then he, he put a little twist on the end of it. He goes, if you want to see if it's real or not when you lead somebody to the Lord, try to talk them out of it. And we're guys in the class were going, why in the world would we try to talk somebody out of the decision they had just made? He goes, because you want to make sure they understand the cost. It's not easy being a believer 100% of the time. The world says, scripture says, Jesus says, because of me, guess what the world is going to do? It's going to hate you. It's not easy being a believer. The disciples knew it wasn't going to be easy to follow after Jesus because it was going to cost them their lives. As believers today, most of us in LaGrange, Texas, we, we don't think that it's going to have to cost us our life today. It may. We don't know. But he's called us to deny ourselves and say no to us, to pick up that cross and to follow him. It starts today. It starts in your heart in the Grange, Texas. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. And that Jesus crawled on that cross and died that terrible death. So we could experience that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness and we could experience salvation. Father, I pray that as the folks that are in this room this morning, those folks that are listening online, as they have heard your word today and they understand that there is a calling, there is an invitation each and every day that you give us. And that invitation is to make you Lord of our life and our decisions and our families and our words and our actions. Father, I lift up this church family, those that are listening, Father, and I pray that you would give us the strength to say yes to you, to say no to ourselves and our own selfish desires, but to say yes to the things of God, to embrace Colossians 3, where it says that we were created by you and for you. Father, we lift up this community. Father, help us to represent you as people see us, that they would be able to see you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.